As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Tom coming to you from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. It is March 8th, 2023, and we have just completed completed the NFL Combine. We'll talk about whether or not we learned anything. Uh, but we do have the draft staring us right in the face, April 27th through the 29th. And it has been a uh, has been a source of much conjecture. We have we have put our money down on our opinions about which position should be emphasized, but that may be evolving as we speak. We've talked forever about fat boys. Last week was a fat boys episode. Excuse me. And we have noted that the Steelers may have their eye on cornerbacks. And while we have insinuated that we could use or would like to prioritize defensive fat boys or offensive fatsos. Um, The Steelers, they're addicted to drafting defense. And I say that with full knowledge that the last few years have been very offense heavy. But with that addiction to drafting offense, it looks like cornerback is heavily in the cards, which is, yes, a position of need. And corner is kind of the position, Dad, that we've been mentioning throughout the weeks in terms of, like, if they go with too many corners instead of fat boys, I'm going to be pissed off. But with four picks inside the top 80, with three picks inside the top 60, and some room to play in finance and free agency, given the fact that the Steelers have a quarterback on a rookie contract, despite having a few other very highly paid players, um, the Steelers have some flexibility in free agency. So when you look at those three top 60 picks, and if you consider one or two free agents... If they go with a cornerback in the first round, I I won't be upset about that as long as they use uh, the rest of those resources to build up the trenches. And according to some great Steelers personalities who are on the ground in beautiful Indianapolis, Indianapolis, Indiana, double Indianapolis, Derek the Kid was in there, Nick Fairball. Um, basically, the word on the street is the Steelers are leaning towards corner and it is intriguing because it looks like the cornerback class, particularly in the first round, is extremely exciting with guys that test extremely high athletically and check a lot of the Steelers' boxes. So I guess Banks from Maryland is kind of the guy, besides Joey Porter, obviously, who might go before the Steelers have a chance to pick him. That's sort of the dude that the Steelers have in mind. But all of these first-round cornerbacks are super prototypical height, weight, speed guys. And I do see there being a value in that. Uh, We had the conversation yesterday, Dad. Positions like quarterback, where you sort of need elite talent, you you have to get that guy in the first round. And I don't want to hear anybody give the examples of the the few non-first rounders in history who have panned out. 
I just want to remind you, the reason why we know those examples so well is because they are such rare exceptions, right? So generally, if you get a quarterback, it's got to be early. And then the other positions you generally have to get early for them to be a superstar are the super athletic positions like receiver, edge rusher, and corner. So I wouldn't have a problem with them drafting uh, a cornerback that high given the fact that you might want to take advantage of that elite athletic position, grabbing an elite athletic guy. But you had some some counters to that theory when you talk about our favorite comparisons, David DeCastro and Marquise Pouncey, and what happened with the Steelers when they actually invested in those high athletic dudes at the lineman position. I think the first thing that comes to mind is DeCastro nearly ended Marquise's career within That's how right. many games? Uh, I'm, I'm going to claim Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation. How does mm. how do these guys who are not connected to the Steelers organization get the high sign that maybe the Steelers are leaning towards cornerback? I think that is subterfuge for a larger chess game that Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan are playing. So my yeah. point was, and you you essentially made it is, I, I'm going to stick with our our thinking just because we heard a rumor. I'm not changing from focusing on the D and offensive lines because we've played the free agent game. And I think we, you know, by the end of the, the season, we felt that uh, Daniels and um, Mason Cole were yeah. serv- more than serviceable. They were, they were fine, but they were fine. They weren't the Castro and Pouncey. And if you want the Castro and Pouncey, you need to invest. So I'm still of a mind to go offensive line with the first or second pick. Cornerback, and, uh, and uh, this is what we shared uh, prior to – to the podcast is I feel like if you get a really high end pedigree cornerback, I'll feel about that guy. Like I felt about Najee. Okay. I have no choice in the matter. These things are foisted upon me. I'll look at the bright side. It's cool to have a shiny toy, especially a, you know, a speedy high degree cornerback. Right. And there is the argument to be had that, you know, sauce Garner and, I don't know why I'm blanking right now on the cornerback that the Jets signed. I think it was one of the Seahawks guys. I'm going to sound like an idiot there. But Sauce Gardner transformed that Jets defense into a top-tier defense. And, yes, it starts with Quinton Williams in the middle. But we have Quinton Williams, old version, and, and Cam Hayward. And we have, you know, the edge rushers and TJ and Highsmith. But it seems like when the Jets got those lockdown corners, it really created ability to play man, press up on people, and not let the, the other team get the ball out in two seconds. So, Derek uh, has given an example before of, hey, you got to cover T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, and it seems like when Joe Burrow and the Bengals play against the Steelers, they get the ball out in two seconds. So T.J. Watt and Highsmith, they're neutralized. They don't have a chance to do anything. Whereas if you had an elite corner, you could press the issue, especially against a schematically incredibly simple team like the Bengals, where you could press those guys. And of course I agree with that, that strategy, but once again, it's a salary cap NFL. You don't get I would like to have good corners. I would also like to have good safeties, a good kicker, a good punter, a good quarterback, and a good all of the positions. We only have so many resources to play with. And with corner, there's just too many ways to circumnavigate a good corner. There's great scheme, right? Okay, you're not gonna you're not gonna face that in Cincinnati, but there's ways to scheme corners out of games. Also, when you're playing Cincinnati, with the way the NFL is developed, which I've talked about kind of ad nauseum here on the podcast, I don't care who you have. They're not going to cover Jamar Chase for a whole game. 
it does not matter. The rules favor the receivers too much. When A.B. was on the Steelers, we didn't care we do if not they care. had Jalen Ramsey. And yes, Jalen Ramsey had an amazing first game against A.B., but then A.B. took the first and best cornerback, Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye, in the playoffs. They're covering him like glue. A.B.'s got a high ankle sprain, and he goes for two touchdowns in like 180. At a certain point, there's too many advantages given to receivers and quarterbacks where that um, corner, he's going to be had. That's part of the position, as opposed to a Patrick Mahomes where you could go an entire season without stopping that guy. Why I like the idea of prioritizing high-pedigree linemen is there is nothing you can do to stop a good offensive line. There's nothing you can do schematically to avoid getting pushed around. Like, why don't we just attack from the other side? No. Why don't we try and push harder? We're, we're trying. They just, it's an unstoppable force. And I, that's why I think the Steelers need to take after the Eagles, or you even look at a boring team like the Titans a couple of years ago, and they play everybody close, and they, they win their way to the AFC Championship game without a super high degree of talent. I know they had A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, obviously, but like the, the lines on either side of the ball are inevitable to me. And of course, we know Philadelphia had a very good defensive line. To me, very good, but overrated. And they were had against the Kansas City Chiefs. But they were within inches of winning that game, really. And that's why I just think that the Steelers need to structure this around the offensive line, given the fact that we're very excited about Kenny Pickett, but there's no world where he's as good as those absolute top-tier quarterbacks where you just have room for improvisation and error. I think the Steelers are on the precipice of making one of those teams like the Eagles that just sort of bullies other teams. And that's why I would rather have that than see us have the best corner in the league and Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase still just throw the perfect pass and catch it over your head anyways. We talked about the Steelers' propensity for family. And there seem to be some names. Yes. You already mentioned Joey Porter Jr. I was just looking at his combine yeah. scores. He ran a four four six, Admirable. The guy you had from um, Maryland. Jordan Addison is an – is another one. Banks is the cornerback from Maryland, right? Yeah. I'm not sure where uh, where he ranks in this thing, but he's he tested off the charts. So you're t we're talking about the Steelers. If somebody is a family member of another Steeler, they will be picked up by Mike Tomlin. And Kevin Colbert's not there anymore, so we'll see if that theory holds. I think it will. I think that's an organizational thing. But a lot of exciting news dropped today why we wanted to wait a few more days for the pod to let some of this news settle because a lot has happened on Monday and Tuesday. And there are a list of hilarious, of course the Steelers are going to sign these guys that's out there. And I'll be shocked if the Steelers get out of the offseason with at least one of these guys. So let's talk about Joey Porter Jr., the corner. We know that there's interest in him. And we were talking about Derek and Nick and the Steelers beat writers basically on the ground. I asked Derek on Twitter a question like, hey man, how, how can you tell that the Steelers are interested in corners? Is it just body language? Have you been overhearing conversations? Have you been talking to members of the Steelers? Or are you just observing a lot of the Steelers brass hovering over the cornerback position group? And he said, 
Well, you know, first off, this is just my opinion. Obviously, I'm not saying this is set in stone, but it's a little mix of all of the above, which tells me, okay, he, he's got something to base this off of. Knowing that our buddy Derek, he, is, he loves corners. He's obsessed with corners. He's been dying for the Steelers to get a corner for a long time. And I, obviously, I think, um, you know, he makes a lot of sense with that assertion, but he's backing that up with some evidence on the ground. But let's turn back to the, the Steelers' familial interests. So you got Joey Porter Jr. Everybody in, uh, has been announcing the Steelers are interested in him. I think I heard Daniel Jeremiah or Connor Rogers. There's other draft experts who are on other podcasts saying, yeah, the Steelers obviously are interested in Addison and Porter. There's no surprise there, just like Najee and Kenny Pickett and all the draft picks through the years. So you got Joey Porter Jr. You have Jordan Addison, who was Kenny Pickett's best target, uh, record-breaking target, really, at Pitt. Jordan Addison tested horrifically. Uh, like, you can't understate how bad his testing was for a guy who's small and quick and how slow he ran. To me, makes no difference whatsoever in my analysis of the player. He was never just a deep threat, unbelievable route runner. I still can't justify taking him that early. I think we have a better version of that already with Deontay Johnson. It, it's a little superfluous. But they are interested in him. And then you move to the free agents. Bud Dupree getting cut by the Titans. I think he was making like $17 million. The Steelers will be interested. He would be a massive signing for the Steelers who desperately, desperately need a third edge rusher given the fact that T.J. Watt hasn't been making it through a full season recently. I guess he did two years ago, but, you know, he had some difficulties there. And between T.J. and Highsmith, they're basically the two highest snap percentages at their position over the years. A familiar... Um, theme here, right? How many years did we say that about Tewitt and Hayward, right? So those guys are playing too much. They could bring Bud in, as they've done many times with William Gay or Bryant McFadden or Antoine Randall Guys will come back to the Steelers. Just the question is, can Bud Dupree remain healthy? And then the last two, who were just, it's not announced officially today, but the rumors are heavy that the Eagles will not be able to re-sign Javon Hargrave, and that the Bills will not be able to re-sign Tremaine Edmonds. Now, those two guys, the odds are they're going to get crazy contracts in free agency because they're still star players and they're young. So I'm sure the Steelers will go after them, but I'm not sure if the Steelers will be down to, to give an quote-unquote overpaid free agency contract, which is essentially what free agency contracts are since it's open market. So they, I'll just recap it real quick for you. Jordan Addison, Joey Porter Jr., Bud Dupree, Javon Hargrave, and Tremaine Edmonds, either former Steelers or brothers of Steelers <laughs> or sons of Steelers. You know, you can probably stretch this and we can probably find a relation on for each position on the field. For sure, we're going to end up with one of those guys. You and I batted around the idea about bringing Bud back, and it was a matter of the cost to bring him back, right? I did a little bit of digging. This is really interesting. Do you consider Bud a top 10 edge rusher? He's probably not a top 20 or 30 edge rusher at this point. Okay. I mean, injuries have completely derailed his career. So I, I don't think he's getting half of what he made in, in Tennessee, and I don't think anybody's going to sign him given his complete lack of availability in, in Tennessee and, honestly, his lack of availability in Pittsburgh. And that would be the reason I would be scared to sign him because he can't make it through a full season. But that begs the question – if he's playing 20% of the snaps, does that reduce his chance for injury? 
I don't know. That, that I don't think anybody can truly answer that question. Is it long-term wear and tear for Bud Dupree that gives him injuries? That doesn't seem to be the case. It's not like they're always coming at the end of the season. Or is it just the man is so muscle-bound that he's a race car and the smallest pin in the track can pop his tires and he could be playing 20% of the snaps and he'll still get hurt. You know, I don't know what it is, but obviously he would be a massive addition if he could stay healthy as a third edge rusher. And, uh, and maybe if you did have the miracle of, oh, hey, he's, hey, he's healthy. Has his athleticism been sapped a little bit? I, you know, I don't know. But uh, just culturally, he's great friends with T.J. Watt. He's a good defensive leader. He's got a lot of swagger, a lot of Pittsburgh Steeler in him. He loves the Steelers, and that would be a huge addition in the same way that Hargrave would be an even bigger addition as a, as a true you know, star in the middle. But that's going to cost you. And what was the average annual salary you threw out we were talking about this as to what, you know, the average above the line, you know, sort of top 50 percent uh, of linebacker or edge rushers. Would Do make. you mind checking, looking up what they paid Melvin Ingram? The Steelers paid Melvin Ingram when they signed him, because I would think that it would be a similar price to Melvin Ingram, who was a veteran star coming off injury. But the thing with Melvin Ingram was I believe he was only injured one year. Maybe it was two years at the end of his tenure with the Chargers. And besides that, he was healthy for his entire career. So there was sort of this misconception about Ingram when the Steelers signed him that he was this oft-injured linebacker, but it was really only recent injuries. But I just randomly threw out the number $8 million It was a good because guess. Because I'm thinking that there won't be a lot of competition for, for Bud. I, I can't see anybody bringing him in as, as a starter. Yeah, I, I broke it down by sort of decades, right? I didn't bother to looking at the top 10, but I looked at the uh, edge rushers from 11 to 20 and then the, from 21 to 30, which is why I asked you where he's situated. On average, the second tier, 11 to number 20, signed 4.3-year contracts and they average 8.3 in guaranteed oh, money. Man. So the way I'm looking at uh-huh. there, there are a million ways to look at this. I just look at the guarantee, you know, the full guarantee divided yes. by the years of the contract, $8.3 million. Interestingly, the guys who are in the third decade, 21 to 30, sign very much shorter contracts, three and a half years, but they're paid $8.7 million in guaranteed on average. I don't know how yeah. that, you know, why that is. It's kind of an odd thing, but, you know, Guys get high guaranteed contracts, and then two years later, they've fallen back in the pack, and it's probably that kind of phenomenon. So Yeah, so that you can get rid of them easily, right? You're going to give them money up front and, and kind of get that over with so that you have the option to let them go if they don't work out for you quickly. Right. Like Derek Carr just signed a new deal with the Raiders, and people were saying, oh, what a humongous deal. But if you really look at it, it was really a, one, a, a deal that gave him a bunch of money up front and an out after one year. And what happened? He's out after one year. So Mel- Let me ask you this, Dad. Let me answer your other question. Melvin Ingram was sure. um, given $4 million. Oh, man, Guaranteed of $3 million. Cool. That eight, I just pulled it out of my butt. I have no idea how that. It just felt right. Well, we've heard these numbers, you know, and I, that, that sounded right to me too. But Melvin Ingram, that, that um, seems to be – that was in 2021. You know, would you bring back Bud at five and six, or six? Definitely. Without a yeah. question, and, right? and now that we say – now that we're going there, yeah, it's kind of no question. And I'm like, well, damn, I'd never pay him eight at that point. What was I thinking? But let me ask you this. 
So among those free agent signings, Bud Dupree, Tremaine Edmonds, and Javon Hargrave. To me, you got to get like one of those guys, given the Steelers' major needs at in the front seven. I mean, we said it before. Cam is the only defensive lineman right now. Alu Alu, Wormley, those guys are injured or retired, and Loudermilk, Leal, some of these guys haven't panned out. Leal, too early to tell, but he is a smaller dude. He's not going to – he might be a sort of situational edge rusher. They need help bulking up. But if you look at them, Bud Dupree is going to be the least cost prohibitive. prohibitive. He's going to be the least expensive and also the least impact, given the fact that he'd be a rotational player. Hargrave is the one who will break the bank. And I don't even know if the Steelers will be able to, to get a guy like that who might be 28 already. So you hope that you get a good four years out of him. But he's going to be the most expensive, and he's probably going to make the biggest difference, being an interior defensive lineman who can affect the play in a lot of ways. Tremaine Edmonds, he's going to be the middle linebacker, the, the biggest problem the Steelers have had since Shazier. And that's kind of the middle option, right? Okay, not as much impact as a defensive lineman but would make a huge difference for the Steelers and not quite as expensive as, as Hargrave, but it's really going to be market dependent. I think with an inside linebacker, it may depend on the year. Is somebody going to do what the Jets did for C.J. Mosley when the Ravens release him and they're going to pay him like $20 million or something insane where that's just an easy decision for the Steelers to make if somebody wants to offer that? We are not doing that for an inside linebacker. Um, whereas Hargrave's sort of a virtual guarantee. There's going to be a lot of competition for this interior defensive lineman. If you could sign just one of those guys, assuming that Edmonds is at a reasonable cost, maybe it's, he's one of the highest paid inside linebackers in the league, but not an albatross of a contract, which one of those three guys would you take? Edmonds. I just want to, I just want to lock down the inside linebacker position, and I think he would do that. He's 24. Jay Wobble is 30. What? He's Jay Wobble. What? Jay Wobble is 30 years old. Tremaine oh, is game over. I thought he was 28. It's like he's a 12-year-old. Oh my gosh. Seriously. Yeah, so well, give me the That settles it. Yeah. <laughs> that settles it. And they just haven't been able to develop those they haven't been able to figure that out. So, yeah, I'd love for them to get Edmonds. He'd make a huge difference and again, a leader He's also got such crazy length that he'd up in the past game as well, and it just goes back to our original idea. Draft the fat boys. Please draft the fat boys. You have so much opportunity to do so, and I guess I wouldn't worry so much about Wormley, and Alualu is going to retire anyways most likely, but I would sign Okunjobi, you know, re-sign him. Yeah. And hopefully you get somewhat of a tiny discount. You know, you're not going to get anything major, as, and you shouldn't, but – Hopefully he would want to stay in Pittsburgh with Cam and with these other guys. And Yeah, if they could just make one splash free agency signing and it could be Edmonds, that would be great. And I think the Steelers have shown the willingness to do that. With They want a middle linebacker. They traded up to get Bush. They traded for a star name in Miles Jack. Uh, hopefully they, they take another, what is it, like another bite at the apple cart? Hopefully they bite another wheel off of the apple cart. I mean, that's what they did with Ed Rusher. They went Jarvis Jones. Damn it. Bud Dupree. Damn it. TJ Watt, yes. Okay, keep going, Alex Highsmith. So, yeah, that'd be great if they got out with him and be psyched. Yeah, and we again are just talking about free agency and trying to pick somebody up, but we are sticking with our original 
shopping list, offensive line, defensive line. Do you think there's even a possibility that they would get O-line and D-line in the first three picks, both of them? Or are you starting yeah, to feel I think like a decent possibility? Okay. Do you feel that there might be some? It looks drift? like corners. Corners becoming pretty pretty likely. It looks like in the first round. But in terms of drift, I think you're right. I mean, there's four quarterbacks who are rumored to be uh, first round guys. I, I honestly think three of them. I think Will Levis. Will Levis. Got to change it to Levi's. Will, by the way, Levi's will not give Will Levis a deal. He said on part of my takes, like I've been trying to talk to Levi's. They won't give me a deal. I don't know if I can buy another pair of Levi's. I've never bought a pair with that sort of rationale from your company. But either way, I don't think Levis is a top 10 pick, and I don't think teams will see him that way. He seems like a Drew Locke sort of repeat to me. Whereas the other three guys, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, that's a lock for the top 10 to me. And if somebody wants to take the risk at 12 or something uh, for Levis, that's amazing. Because then, yes, that that makes – a lot of these players drift back for the Steelers. Also, the edge rushing class is absolutely insane. I mean, Chris Sims said on his podcast yesterday, like he's being hyperbolic, but could there be double-digit edge rushers in the first round? Probably not double-digit, but I want to say in, in TJ Watt's class, I mean, he was like the sixth or seventh, maybe even eighth edge drafted, so it does happen. So with the great quarterback and edge class they have in the first round the Steelers have a chance to get a really elite guy and whether it's a corner or a lineman and the Steelers look they're going to be much more likely to draft interior offensive linemen just by their history so we'll see what happens there but the Steelers are in a really good position this draft just don't, don't take another running back guys let's not take something weird my concern about drift is actually drifting towards a wide receiver no that won't happen Steelers don't take first-round receivers. We're going to take the some first pro round. bowler in, in the, the first three. Um, you're absolutely right. That is my worry as well. I, I hope it will be a tight end. There's some good tight ends in this class, yeah. and we know we could use a second one. We know we could use one that's a blocking tight end. So if, if they do drift, I mean, you and I are very clear. We need three out of – we need two out of three as fat boys, offensive or defensive linemen. These linemen that they keep drafting in the third round and after – it's been failure after failure after failure. Chooks, Leal, I mean, still jury's out on him. We'll see what's up. I mean, Kendrick Green, it, they have been doing terribly drafting linemen after the second round. And the receivers, they've been doing nothing but hitting. Like, I mean, well, I guess, you know, Pickens the second round. But Deontay's third round, and we'll see what's up with Calvin Austin. I, I'm nervous for Calvin Austin because I feel like those really tiny guys yeah. who are very, very, very dependent on speed, like Rondell Moore for the Cardinals comes to mind, I get nervous. I, I sort of think that they have this trajectory. If they get one of those early career, like season-ending injuries, I, I get nervous for their trajectory as a whole. But obviously I've not given up hope on him, and he almost seems, Calvin Johnson, like a slam dunk to be another one of those star receivers where people are like, how did – how did the Steelers get him? That, Everybody loves Calvin Austin because he's not a gadget guy. So let's keep our fingers crossed. But Steelers, we, we know how to draft receivers later. We don't, need, we don't need that right away. But as I look back at the historical draft, I mean, they, they get their receivers in the – well, not for only Claypool in the recent history, but second and third rounds. You know, they, they do target them. No, no, Pickens, Pickens was second round as well. So Claypool, 
Pickens. I mean, wasn't James Washington yeah. a second rounder? Yeah, they, Deontay they really was a second, second round. round. Washington was a second round. Juju was a Wait, second. Wait, was Deontay second? Deontay was second or third round? I believe oh, he Deontay was in the was third. third he, he was our second pick. He was our second pick. Yes. Juju yeah. was our Juju. second round. So I'm just ta- I'm just looking at a pattern and hopefully that they feel comfortable well, that they have a wide receiver in Austin sitting there that they need to deploy. So they haven't even seen what he can do in a game yet. So hopefully that holds them off. I would say that I would hold off on it. And, and then now after you read that list, there is a big part of me that's like, well, the second round thing seems to be working very well. And it's very nice to be a fan of a team that always has receivers in the cupboard, let alone the fact that they managed to trade Chase Claypool for an even better asset this year. So if they want to keep that going, I'm not going to question them on the thing that they've been so successful at. But I think they, they do have the liberty to wait one more year just to see what's up with Calvin Austin because they do have Pickens and Deontay locked up momentarily here. So right. I would think this is not the year to do it. Next year, come back to it. All right. Well, hopefully there'll be some more rumors in the next week that we'll talk about next week. The uh, power of my laptop is being sapped. I'm going to apologize to our audience for having to use wired my, my wired earphones that I stole from. Well, stole. You know, they give them to you on United, and they laugh, they have eight oh, uses yeah. before they absolutely are useless. But hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers.